0: The following audio drama is rated NC-17, for no can do if you're 17, 18, or even 21 in some states or younger. In other words, the producers of this show didn't want to be burdened with things like morality or clothes. This is Maximilian Defoe, writer and voice of the Afterlife Paranormal Fiction podcast, which chronicles the afterlife of recently dead guy, Jimmy Jennings, and Karen, a newly minted celebrity struggling to shake off her last vice, a bad friend. Have you ever wondered what happens when you die? So have Karen and Jimmy. And today, they're going to find out. This is episode 14, Sneeches. Thank you for listening. The Afterlife Podcast employs dark humor and frank language. It is intended for a mature audience. You are listening to Maximilian on the Afterlife Podcast. Thank you for joining me for episode number 14, Sneeches. Have you ever wondered what the afterlife looks like? Have you ever wondered where you go to when you fall asleep? Where do you fall to? Those dreams where you're falling, you know those ones, where you just before you hit the ground, you wake up with a jolt. Where are you falling from? Find out in this week's episode of the Afterlife Podcast when dead man walking about town, Jimmy Jennings, finally figures out how to get into the afterlife. There's a nice conversation in this episode about the nature of personal reality, too, so check it out. Leave your comments on the Sneeches episode page at com slash Sneeches. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Now, friends, without further ado, I give you over to the story of Afterlife. Afterlife Nowhere A dead man walks into a bar Jimmy stood in the middle of the welcome mat at the front entrance mesmerized by the light glinting off the brass accents on the glass partitions of a colossal revolving door as it revolved around and around sucking people in and spitting other, different people out even though Jimmy was blocking up the most convenient entry as he stood, staring at the door, nobody seemed to mind. All around him, solo bar patrons and groups of men and women in executive business attire flocked in droves around him, like a colony of ants around a tree. Eventually, he'd gotten his fill of real-life special effects, popped his collar, and jumping into the revolving door with a group of politicians arguing about the price of bread, ended up on the other side of the welcome mat. Ahead of Jimmy lay a walkway that reminded Jimmy of the yellow brick road in The Whiz, but in black. It looked to be about a half a block long. At the end of the walkway were two high-backed chairs. Two thrones? A candle lit altar lay at the foot of each. Between the altars and the twin chairs stood a giant urn. It didn't have a lid. It reminded him of the giant cauldron the witches used in the satire of Macbeth he'd seen in some 99th scene theater on Santa Monica Boulevard one night. If anything was inside the urn, Jimmy couldn't see it from where he was standing. The whole setup made him think of his favorite love song music video of all time. Remember the Time by Michael Jackson In the video, Eddie Murphy and Iman were royalty. They'd sat on dual thrones in a setup almost identical to this. Almost. From where Jimmy was standing, looking into the room to the right of the thrones was like looking into a mirror that was facing another mirror. Either very clever styling or very little imagination on the decorator's part created the illusion of rooms that were identical and never-ending. Back to back to back. Conversational groupings of tables and chairs were separated by a partial wall featuring a painting hung in the same place in each subsequent room. The colors in each of the paintings were the same, but the subject of each canvas was different. The effect was an infinite number of rooms within rooms that expanded as he watched, and were all the time expanding. Low rectangular platforms with stubby cubes for legs held decorative storage chests fitted with 72 tiny drawers. On each of these chests was placed a small urn. It was impossible to tell if the furniture was modern or antique. The decor was indefinable, but the style of the paintings seemed vaguely Asian. On his left stood pillars two stories high in a seemingly endless row, each corresponding to the room directly across from it. Each pillar was fortified with a candle encased in two layers of glass to protect the flame. Elaborate yet understated, Jimmy thought he might like to have a room like this in his house someday. As more eager patrons flowed in through the revolving door, they gently nudged Jimmy inside and aside. Each patron veered in their own direction once they hit the bricks. Jimmy himself was standing on the thank you, come again, mat inside. The instant he stepped off the mat, a door he hadn't seen before appeared. It was a double door, painted emerald green in a high-gloss finish, very handsome. Urgently, Jimmy wanted to be on the other side of that door. He couldn't see any reason he couldn't or shouldn't be. He approached. No doorknobs. Maybe they slid apart. But no handles or finger-pull thingies. Fuck. Ow! Fucking fuck! The gigantic wooden door smashed into Jimmy's face, hitting him in the nose. Another revolving door. It had scared the hell out of him, but at least he'd gotten himself on the other side. But fuck, his nose hurt. This shit had better be live over here, thought Jimmy, wiping the tears away from his eyes with the corner of his sleeve. This was clearly where all the action was at. The room was filled with beautiful women of all ages and types. It was how he'd imagined an office party for someone who worked for the United Nations. Exotic women were his fetish, so it was a fantasy that he'd appeared in many, many times. But this was real. A short, plump woman in an orange sari sat at a table for four, gesticulating to a young man in an admiral hat. Was this a costume party? A group of men dressed in white sheets took up a long banquet table against the wall. Jimmy raised an eyebrow. Not wanting to catch their attention, he turned his head back around and hoped to God they were poorly costumed ghosts. In the center of the room was an elaborate crystal bar with shelves of booze up to the ceiling. Colorful aerialists dressed in flowing silk outfits maneuvered around the structure, suspended by some pulley system Jimmy couldn't see from where he was standing. They propelled and repelled, balancing themselves with a foot to each side of whatever shelf from which they removed or replaced a bottle of booze. Business must be booming. Jimmy picked his way through the stately dining room to the bar. He chose a seat next to an older woman with sophisticated hair. When she turned around to greet him, he immediately recognized her face. Mrs. Leventhal! Jimmy reeled. She seemed pleased to see him. Jimmy! She cooed in her throaty alto. I didn't expect to see you. "'although I can't say I'm surprised.' "'She appraised him lightly. "'When her eyes met his, they danced with amusement. "'Nice outfit!' "'Jimmy looked down at his pajamas. "'He gave Mrs. Leventhal an apologetic grin. "'It's okay,' she said, patting him on the back of his clasped hands. "'You're obviously dreaming.' Jimmy thought about telling her that he'd died and was haunting her granddaughter's house, but, thinking of the words spoken aloud, it seemed unseemly. Anyway, she was right. Dead or alive, he was asleep. So instead, he asked, "'How do you know?' Mrs. Leventhal cocked her head to the side, not in contemplation of the answer to the question." but of the implications of the answer's meaning. Jimmy, misinterpreting her thoughtfulness for confusion, clarified with, How do you know that I'm dreaming? Mrs. Leventhal, recognizing that the discussion she'd been having in her mind in response to Jimmy's question was purely academic, snapped back to the conversation she was supposed to be having. Well, your clothing for one, dear. You'd be amazed how many people breeze in through that door not wearing even one stitch of clothing. She conducted her hand in an elegant wave in the door's direction as if to prove a point. Jimmy looked, expecting to see some naked people on their way in, but nobody was coming. And uh, what do they do? Huh, the nude ones. Jimmy looked around. Is there a gift shop where I can get a blazer or something? It wouldn't be a fierce look, Jimmy knew. But a blazer over pajamas was better than pajamas alone. He preferred to look lazy than like an escaped hospital patient. You don't need a gift shop. You'll look fine. Jimmy shrugged. He'd probably wake up soon anyway. At least now he was talking to a woman he knew that could see him. He didn't want to get himself lost in the dreamscape on some wild goose chase looking for a jacket. He'd fucked up a lot of good dreams like that. Too many times, looking for something in a dream had gotten him lost, and he'd been forced to move on into the next dream when he'd been enjoying where he'd been at. Those were the mornings he woke up from a dream and tried to go back to sleep immediately. "'But to answer your question about what they do, I don't know. The dead ones generally stick over here,' she said, not looking at Jimmy for the first time to signal the bartender that she was ready for another drink. She nodded over her left shoulder with her forehead. "'The dreamers usually pass right through here,' and go through there. A long, slender finger, encrusted in diamond rings, bounced feebly chiming in with her forehead. Then she turned to Jimmy abruptly. Are you sure you aren't dead? (laughs) She reminded Jimmy of Count Dracula from Sesame Street. He opened his mouth to say something. Just kidding, Mrs. Leventhal laughed with abandon at her own joke. It reminded Jimmy of her house and of her warmth and the love that she and her extended family of Jewish friends and neighbors had shown him over a winter holiday that he'd have otherwise spent home alone. He didn't have the heart to tell her he was dead. It would ruin her joke, and he didn't want that. Her glossy, caramel-colored, lipsticked lips broke into a smile like the cat that got the cream. Oh, good, here he comes. Her voice was silk. Now, Jimmy, when the man comes, tell him what you'd like to drink. Let's get this party started. Jimmy knew from their Hanukkah together that she enjoyed getting snookered and that she was a hilarious drunk. The bartender came, listened, nodded, and left. Moments later, Jimmy and Mrs. Leventhal were sipping on drinks. She'd ordered a tangerine tonic. Jimmy tried not to look lascivious sucking the head off the top of his allagash black beer before sipping. So, Jimmy, prompted Mrs. Leventhal, tell me, what's going on in L.A.? Well, Actually, I'm far more interested in what's going on in your neck of the woods. I mean, I don't mean to be insensitive, but I assume that you're... Jimmy flipped through his mental vocabulary flashcards before coming up with, Deceased? Oh, yes. Long deceased. So, what's that like? Asked Jimmy. Oh, I could describe some of my experiences to you, but we don't share the same reality, Jimmy. So, I can only tell you what my interpretation of this experience appears to be. Even as we sit here together, ostensibly in the same space, you might be experiencing something completely different. Jimmy allowed the light flutterings of confusion to be waylaid by his intentional focus on this new curiosity. He wanted to understand, could feel the seal of a mental threshold swelling. He willed it to break. Indulge me, he said, smiling at the delicate arch of fine white hairs comprising the eyebrow of a goddess with the for instance. Okay. For instance, she began, signaling for another round of drinks. The color blue. I want you to think of the color blue, but, and this is important, and you can't fuck it up, because the magic understanding of this thing can only happen the first time. On the inside, Jimmy rolled his eyes. No pressure. Mrs. Leventhal paused for a fact. Think of the color blue. But think of a particular color blue, like the color of your jeans or a shirt or some article that you know well. So the blue is specific. Other than that, it doesn't matter which you pick. I always think of a Crayola crayon color. You remember those? Jimmy did. He nodded, smiling. Think of all the blue colors in the big box. The one with the sharpener and the 120 colors. Periwinkle, peacock blue, sky blue, blue, navy, pacific blue, blue, blue-green, turquoise blue. Pick one. He picked one. Cornflower blue had always been his favorite. Now, when I thought of a blue just now, I thought of midnight blue. What'd you think of? Cornflower blue, Jimmy admitted. Both blue, and notably not the same, crowed Mrs. Leventhal. Where is this sweet man with my... Drinks appeared. Well, Mrs. Leventhal was beaming. You get what I mean. Even on a cognitive level, people don't experience Anything the exact same way. And you can take that to the bank, Jimmy. That's a concept that will help you in waking life. When you wake up, get a pen and a paper so you can write this down. You do keep a pen and paper by your bedside to jot down your dreams right when you wake up, don't you, Jimmy? I'm sure you do. Jimmy didn't want to tell her that he could have had stenographers standing by and it wouldn't have made a difference. Gracefully... She moved on with the conversation without pressing him for an answer. When you wake up, try to remember this. In the same way you control what you feel and what you think and what you say and no one else, you create your own experience. And so do I. And so does everyone. So what's true for you may not be true for others, even if it's similar. Even what others perceive about you is just their version of you. It's their opinion of the facts. Would you take my word over your own experience that my version, midnight blue, is the actual blue? She tossed her pure white hair over her shoulder, her face triumphant. Pressing her bony elbow into the heraldic crest embroidered into the cushioned backrest of the bar stool. No, Jimmy smiled. He got it. Mrs. Leventhal nodded. And so it be. You are listening to Rich Man in the Sky by Otis MacDonald. The Afterlife Podcast is serialized paranormal fiction based on the book, Afterlife. Written by me, Maximilian Defoe. To comment on this episode of the Afterlife Podcast, please visit com slash smeeches where you can find not only the episodes that you may have missed, but additional material, videos, images of Karen's bachelorette pad. Her place is fly, let me tell you right now. You can see what's inside Cassandra's closet and Karen's closet too. I mean, really, who does not like lingerie? You can also find merchandise. You can buy some of the things that I mentioned in the story. In those cases, I put a link to it on the episode page. Just another little way you can support me. If you find something that you love and buy it from my website, I will receive a small commission, and I thank you. Did you like this episode? Yeah? Yeah. Leave me a review on iTunes. It really does make a difference. I appreciate each subscription and every five-star review. And if you want to take your support a step further, visit my page on Patreon, where you can slide me a greenback or two. With a guarantee that your contribution will be greatly appreciated. And crowed about. And if you'd like something from me. Like an autographed copy of this book when it comes out. Before they even go on sale. You can get it by becoming my patron. On Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Maximilian. Two X's, two L's. I would love to hear from you. And on that note. A heartfelt thank you to Sarah Warner, Writers, she has an inspiring show called Right Now with Sarah Warner. Find it on iTunes and subscribe. Tell your writer friends about it. They will thank you. They might start to thank you each week like I do. Next week on the Afterlife Podcast, Jimmy flexes his new dead guy superpowers for the very first time. Join me for episode 15 of the Afterlife Podcast, Dead Man Walking.